want to thank all of you for coming, either uh, in person or virtually, to uh, spend some time with me in memory of my late mother, Alea Shalom, Mrs. Kanina Schachter, Kanina Peril Etelbas, Lea Pesha, Bechanoch Henach. She uh, insisted that her mother's name should be mentioned whenever her name is mentioned. Her mother's name should be mentioned in addition to her father. On her matseva, her mother's name should be mentioned in addition to her father's name, and that her mother's name should be mentioned first. And so in keeping with her wishes, Penina Peril Ethel, Basleya Pesha V'chanochemach. It's her fourth Yortzeit, was just this past uh, Wednesday. And uh, every year I try to think about her and to put together some thoughts uh, to share in her uh, memory. Bershus Marad Asra, I want to thank Rabbi Strachler, acknowledge the presence of Rabbi Wiener, Mrs. Wiener. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to all of you. The two psukim that talk about the relationship between children and parents. That's the subject of the uh, shear, the presentation this year. So there are two verbs. There's a verb of kabed, kibud, and there's a word of yira. So the Shulchan Aruch, we'll see the Gemara in a moment. The Shulchan Aruch in Yoredeh and Simon Reish Mem on the first page. I recognize there's a lot of Hebrew in this handout. There also happens to be a lot of English, but there's also a lot of Hebrew, but I'll uh, make sure that I translate. Everybody should feel comfortable and be on the same page. So in Hilchos Kibbet Avoim, in Simen Reish Mem, Se'if Beis, and Se'if Dalid, the Shulchan Aruch lays out for us the specific obligations that pertain to both of these verbs. What is mora and what is kavod? Kavod is honor. I'm translating kavod as honor. And I'm translating a tiro'o, a mora, and not so much fear, not so much fear, but maybe reverence. I think reverence would be more appropriate. I feel, certainly in relationship to uh, my own parents, it's not so much fear, but it's it's more reverence. Ezeo mora. And so if Beis, what is a reverence? Loyamo bimkomo, and it's not only bimkomo, but it's bimkoma. It applies to mothers as it does to fathers. Loyamo bimkomo hameyuchad lo laamod sham besod zikenim im chaveru. So if a parent has a particular place where they stand in public when they're consulting with colleagues on matters of a common interest, maybe communal interest, when they play a role in the community. So you can't stand in a place that is designated where they stood. In their makam kavua, whatever makam kavua is, it's a big discussion. There is a makam miyuchad where they daven, you shouldn't daven in that place. So first there's standing, and now they're sitting. 
shouldn't sit in the place where they normally sat if they had a seat at the table, so you shouldn't sit at that at that seat. Below Soser es Devarov, and you should not contradict their uh, words. Below Machria es Devarov Befanov. So when they have a place to stand, you shouldn't stand there. When they have a place to sit, you shouldn't sit there. That's their place. Tomorrow they're going to come back and sit there. Tomorrow they're going to come back and stand there. And you should not contradict them, shouldn't contradict their words, and you shouldn't even say that you agree, Afilu Lomar Nirin Divre Abov. Your parent is involved in a conversation and there's a disagreement. So you shouldn't even weigh in and say, you know what, I think my parent is right. Who are you to say you think your parent is right? not such derecheretz. Of course, you think your parent is right. It's like you have a say here in this discussion. So that should also be avoided and it's not appropriate. V'lo yikrenu b'shmo, lo v'lo You shouldn't call parent by a first name. I've more and more in the last number of years, I've heard many times where children call parents or in-law parents by their first names. Shulchan Aruch says it's not in keeping with the halacha of ish imo v'aviv tiro'u. It's not reverence. You don't call them by their first name. And there are a number of other related areas that fall into this category. Ezehu kavod in se'if da'alib. What is kavod? Kavod is a different category. It's not so much reverence where you don't want to assert yourself in a place that they maintain a uh, status uh, in. But what does it mean to honor a parent? You feed them, you give them to drink, you dress them, you cover them. You bring them in and you take them out. So I realized when my parents got older that until that point, I wasn't really fulfilling kibbutz avoim. When uh, my mother used to say, "Yakov Yosefel, do me a favor. Here's a quarter. Go to the corner and buy a bottle of milk." And I would go to the corner and I'd buy a bottle of milk. So technically, I'm fulfilling a kibbutz but it's only when they get older when you're really fulfilling a kibbutz avoim, namely when you actually feed them when when they're old. And you feed them. The rest is sort of preparation. The rest is getting into the mood. The rest is getting used to doing what they want. But the real kibud of parents is when they can't feed themselves. So you, you take their hand and you put a spoon and you bring it to their mouth. And you give them to drink. And you dress them because they can't dress themselves. And you cover them up because they're cold and they can't cover themselves, and you bring them in and you take them out because they're in a wheelchair, or they can barely move and you're walking along with them. That is the real kibbutz avoim. I tell all my friends that when they're in such a situation, I tell them what I felt myself, that now you're really zoche to be mekayim kibbutz avoim. Until then, it was okay, something, but now... This is the real thing. And what a schus you have, even though it's so challenging that a parent is old and infirm, but now is when the real mitzvah 
of Kibbutz Avraim comes into play. This is based at the top of page two on a Gemara in Masachas Kedushin. The Gemara in Masachas Kedushin on the Flamed Aleph, Flamed Aleph, Flamed Aleph, Flamed Beis, Flamed Beis, Flamed Aleph. There's a whole sugya that talks about the obligations of honoring parents. And we'll just take a look at uh, two and a half lines from the bottom of Lamed Aleph Lamed Beis at the top of page two. Tana Rabbanan Ezehu Mora Ezehu Kibun. Mora lo omed bimkomo or bimkoma or lo tamod bimkoma velo yoshev bimkoma velo soser es devara velo machrio velo machrio. Rashi lo omed bimkomo next to the last line the end of the line, the Mokam HaMeyuchad La'aviv Lamudsham Besod Zekenim Im Chavera Be'etzah. So you see the terminology of the Shulchan Aruch does not come from the Gemara, but it comes from Rashi's explanation of the Gemara that when they consult with colleagues on matters of important concern, they stand in a particular spot, so you shouldn't stand, you're not allowed to stand in that spot. Kibud. Last line of the Gemara, Machil, give them to eat, Mashke to drink, Malbish, you dress them, Achasa, you cover them, Machnis, Umotzi, you bring them in and you take them out. There's a lot of discussion as to what is the rationale behind the mitzvah of Kibbutz Avoim. So normally, I guess I assume that the reason why I do a mitzvah is because God told me to do a mitzvah, and I believe that this is Ratzon Habore, and so that's why I do it. If you ask me why do I do it, it's because I believe that this is what God wants me to do. But what's beyond that? Okay, given, okay, that's why I do it, but what's the significance? What am I thinking about? What does it elicit within me? What idea, what feeling does it elicit within me? So that's a lot of discussion in general, whether it's appropriate, whether it's not appropriate, assuming it is appropriate. The Sefer HaChinuch in the middle of page two explains, and I think it's very logical, that Kibar Avoim is a din in HaKoras HaTov. It's a din in expressing gratitude. Our parents do an enormous amount for us, as we hopefully do for our children. And it is incumbent upon children to be Makir Tov to parents. So in Mitzvah Lamed Gimel in the Sefer Achinuch in the middle of page two, Mitzvah's Kibud Avaim, Lechabed, Ha'avaim, Shenemar Kabed Esavicha, Be'esimecha, Ba'a Perush. What does it mean to honor, as we saw now in the Gemara? Ezehu Kibud, Machil, Mashke, Malbish, dress them, Machase, tuck them in, cover them, Machnes, bring them into the house. And Motsi and take them out. Mishirashe mitzvah zu, the root of this mitzvah, you have the English here on the left hand side. Sharolo la adam sheyaker viigmo chesed, lemisha asa imo or ima tova. It's appropriate to do a chesed for someone who did a chesed for you. Velo yihye noval umisnaker vekafui tova. You shouldn't be a scoundrel. You shouldn't be an ingrate. You shouldn't be someone who does not express gratitude. That's it's not a nice thing. 
and you should uh, concentrate and recognize and put in your heart. The only reason why we exist is because our parents brought us into the world. Therefore, our very existence is based on, is because of them, and therefore we should appreciate what they did for us, not just bringing us into the world. Many others say that it's raising and it's diapering and it's helping and it's taking to the doctor and it's paying tuition and paying more tuition. It's all the things that parents do for children. And so it is a matter of Hakara Sato. So, so far in the technical unfolding of the uh, biblical requirement, it uh, is uh, focused on kinds of behavior. We have to do certain things. We cannot do certain things. It's mechanical. It's behavior. But Rabbi Soloveitchik points out, and as do others, but I'm going specifically to cite from his works, that in general, this is something that is a central idea for him, the mitzvot are not just mechanical, mitzvot are not just actions, mitzvot are not just behaviors, but there's also an emotional component. There's a feeling that's associated with the mitzvah. There's the, the act, and then there's the affect. There's the behavior, and then there is the experience of the mitzvah itself. And so when it comes to Kibbutz Avraim, Rabbi Soloveitchik points out, he has a whole essay here, in a volume entitled Family Redeemed that was published posthumously. Kibud, Umora, the honor and fear. He calls it fear. I prefer reverence of parents. And you see the heading. And I want to now move up a notch from behavior to an inner sensitivity, an inner feeling, an inner emotional connection. It's not just doing something. Here's the food. Here, I'm going to push you out. I'm going to bring you in. But there's a whole attitude that goes along with this. It's already in the Gemara. It's already in the Shulchan Aruch. But uh, Rabbi Soloveitchik here, in keeping with this notion that he championed throughout uh, all of mitzvah performance, develops this at great length in the context of Kibbutz There are a few biblical norms, the bottom of page two, that regulate the obligations of children toward their parents. It's not one norm, but there are a few norms. One norm was disclosed to us in the Decalogue. And the other is contained in Leviticus. Points out the end of this page that the precepts of honoring and fearing were enumerated among the 613 mitzvot as two separate Commandments. There's a separate mitzvah of kibud. There's a mitzvah of mo. I want to read a little bit from Rabbi Salvechik. I gave you a lot more than I'm going to read. So if you're interested, you could fill in the gaps on your own. But I want to make this point as I begin that kibud avoim is not just behavior, but it's also an emotional connection. The norms of kibud amara consist of two components. 
first said and later was published in writing by Rabbi Soloveitchik, outward action and inward experience. Under the aspect of outward action, the halacha developed a normative science and a technique of good conduct on the part of the child towards his or her parents. And we saw that. We saw exactly what that, quote, science or what the normative behavior, the actions are and require. Next paragraph, under the aspect of inward experience, Kibbutz are raised from the level of technique, technical discipline, to that of an experience. You're not just doing something, but you're feeling something. Next paragraph, at the level of kibud, action becomes then the agency through which the inner commitment of a child to the parent speaks, and thus formal relationship turns into ultimate relatedness, mechanical distance, turns into spiritual closeness, and the separateness of two personae is supplanted by an existential union. There's now something more than just action. We must state, next paragraph, that these two aspects, the outer and the inner, are not interdependent. One can have one without the other. And it's important to realize that and to think about it. And if we're still zochet to have parents, to think about how that uh, expresses itself. One may act wisely towards one's parents so that from the viewpoint of Kiburumura techniques, you acting wisely, the behavior is irreproachable and meets all standards of decency and propriety, while the child personally remains emotionally indifferent and completely uninvolved in the very action which takes place. So you could do something for your parent. The child is rich and generous, showers her or his parents with gifts. Materially, they lack nothing. The parents have whatever they want because the child helps them in every way possible. Yet the child doesn't love them or doesn't feel attached to them. His relationship, if we may speak of the word relationship, we can even imagine there is such a thing as a relationship, is one of cold civility and courtesy. They're courteous. They do what they have to do. They help their parents. Their parents lack nothing. But it's uh, it's with a cold hand. It's not with any varamkite. It's not with any connection, any feeling. The precept associated with external action is fulfilled while the experience of keyboard is lacking. This unimpeachable behavior is a result of good breeding. Oh, my parents raised me well, so I know that I have to do, quote, the right thing by them. Excellent manners and natural uh, politeness. Continue on to the next page. On the other hand, I mean, the bottom of this page, the next page in in page 129 in uh, Rabbi Soloveitchik's uh, work. On the other hand, let us take the case of a person who loves his parents and feels committed to them but has not been furnished by providence with the proper material means to provide them with food and shelter. So I can love my parents, I care about my parents, but I really can't. I can't feed them because I don't have any money to buy food to feed them. I can't take them out because I can't afford a wheelchair. I I, I, I have tremendous akarasatov and warm feelings, but practically speaking, I can't really act on that. He's poor, a day laborer who barely earns a meager livelihood and unable to support parents and spend time with them. The external aspects of keyboard, namely the behavior, is not realized by this child 
even though this submission is due to unfriendly, never sad circumstances, which are beyond the child's control. Yet as to the experiential component, the child certainly developed the proper approach to that child's parents, one of love and respect. So the Rav goes out of his way here to uh, point out again and again that you need two, you need both, and it's possible to have one without the other, depending on the circumstances. The last section at the top left of page three of page four, the top left of page four, the halacha has adopted a tolerant attitude towards all these people. Of course, the ideal realization of kibbutz and mora can only be attained when the external act and the inner experience, the outward and the inward, complement each other. So now we've moved to the next level. You can finish uh, the rest on your own. That we have to do certain things, but it's not just doing certain things. There's a whole affect that goes along with it. It's caring, it's loving, it's feeling, it's doing whatever one does, but doing it in a way that demonstrates a, an emotional connection, demonstrates a, uh, a relationship. But even that's not enough. I want to go now to the next level. And I find here in the Chayadam on the top right of page four, the next level. The Chayadam, top right of page four, it's a halacha sefer. It's like a semi uh, kind of a shulchan arach. It goes in order and tells you uh, how one should behave as a Jew. It's written by Rabbi uh, Avraham Danzig. He's known as Danzig because he was born in the town called Danzig. It's not called Danzig, not a town. It's a city. It's called Gdansk in Poland. So he took the name of the city in which he was born. He was a businessman for most of his life. And then Nebuch, there was an explosion in his uh, place of business and he lost everything. And because he, all those years had been a tremendous Talmud Chacham, so he decided he was going to go into Avodos HaKodesh. He became a Dayan in Vilna and was one of the great uh, luminaries of the 19th uh, century. So in Klal Samach Zayin, top right, Din Hilchos Kibbut Avaim, and you see it's based on your Adaya Simon Reish Mem that I read to you on page one uh, just a moment ago. So he goes through various <clears throat> laws and requirements, and in the middle, for example, he says, the line beginning, Shalom Darti, just about halfway down in the middle of the line of Pshita, Shetzarech Le'ehov Osam Kegufo. It's not just doing for parents. It's not just feeling for parents. But we have to feel for parents like we feel for ourselves. Because after all, Sharehu Bechlal Biyahafta Lereacha Kamocha. You have to be Ahafta Lereacha Kamocha for anybody. Then for sure, you have to have that level of uh, love and affection and connection uh, to parents. Elisha because it's not just loving them like but the Gemara talks about the fact that we love parents like loving God. So we're now ratcheting up the level of love and affection and connection. And it's paying back for them what it was that they did for us. The Imkain, and here's a sentence that jumped out at me when I was learning the Chayyadam. The Imkain, it's five lines from the bottom. 
בכלל הפירעון שיעהוב עושה אהבה עזה. How do you translate Ahava Aza? What would you say? Aza, Ahava Aza? What? Strong, powerful. So it's not just doing for them, and it's not just having an emotional feeling towards them, but now it's Ahava Aza. It's very, very powerful. Kederech, Shehoyu, Ohavim, Oso. Mirzashem, hopefully. Parents love children, Ahava Aza. So children need to not just do for parents and not just care for parents, but need to have ahava aza. To me, the most uh, striking requirement, one that I think uh, we would probably say is very difficult to achieve. Maybe even this one is, for some of us, difficult to achieve, the ahava aza. I found in Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz's <coughs> Sichos Musar, in one of the Sichos Musar of Rabbi Chaim, was the Rosh Yeshiva of the Mir Yeshiva in the second third of the 20th century. And in the 70s, he gave Sichos Musar. He gave Sichos Musar for a number of years, but three years worth are written up and, and published. So in the Sichos Musar of Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz, he says the following. And... Uh, I, I'm citing it as maybe aspirational, but maybe not even, maybe not even aspirational. I bring it to your attention. You'll decide to, to what extent this is relevant. Three lines from the bottom of page four. And also tonight's lecture is in memory of my mother. So he says, I, I understand. I, I accept the fact. I have been taught that one cannot fulfill the mitzvah of honoring parents properly. Ella imkain ma'arich haben es aviv that the child uh, respects, esteems, reveres umaritzo limaod. The chayev haben. Listen to this. The child is obligated limtzoba aviv or biimo. The child is obligated to find in that child's parent. Trunos misuyamos bohen hu mitztayen yoser mikol echad zuloso. The greatest of the great, whatever the ethical disposition is, my parent is the greatest balchazet in the whole world, more than anybody else. My parent is kinder than anyone else in the whole world. You have to find something that you can identify as expressing their behavior or their value system. And it's not just they're wonderful people, they're great Baalei Chesed, they work, do the Hebra Kadisha, they go visit the Bikr Cholim, they study Torah, whatever they do. And that's really wonderful because they're really fine, special people. But more than anybody, more than anybody, they are the greatest in the whole world. I'm going to read it again. V'chayev ha-ben limtso ba'aviv or bi'imo, or habat limtso ba'aviha o bi'ima, trunot mesuyamot, bahen hu mitztayen, or hi mitztayenet yorcher mikol echad zulato v'hareyu bahen godl hadot. And that thing, they are mamish the godl hadot. 
I don't know. I'm, uh, I have a lot of trouble with that uh, particular formulation. I mean, I think my parents were really super wonderful. I don't know if I would say that whatever they did, they were absolutely unparalleled by anyone else in the entire world. And I don't know if I would feel that I need to say that. I think I'm on pretty good solid ground if I thought that they were extremely wonderful and gracious and kind and learned and and attentive and, and taught me and cared for me. I don't know if I have to say that they were in this, whatever the regard is, the greatest in the world. But what we see so far is an a ascending level of, let's call it obligation, let's call it aspiration. When we think of parents, first of all, we have to act. Kavod, mora, we have to not act in certain ways. You can't stand here, you can't sit there. You have to do certain things, but you can't just do certain things. You have to do it with the proper attitude. You can't just say, here's the food, but you present the food lovingly. The, the, the Gemara says that you can give a parent the most beautiful and most expensive delicacies, but it really doesn't matter because you're not giving it to them with the proper warmth and varumkeit and love and affection. And then there's the level of the Chayadam's Ahava Aza, not just Ahava, but Ahava Aza, super Ahava. And then comes again Reb Shmulevitz and just explodes this whole notion of, I have to think that my parent in Tchuna X is the Godol Hador. There is no one who comes close to them in that area. Now, most of the time, I, I certainly would hope that uh, this is not very difficult to perform. We do express our to our parents. Our parents were, were good to us, helped us, saved us, raised us, provided for us, gave us physical support, emotional support, financial support. And so we want to be Makir Tov, and we want to be Makir Tov in the best way that we possibly can, not just by doing for them, but also by doing for them with a full heart, with a varma heart. Doing for them with, with affection and with caring and with love. But it doesn't always work out that way. And sometimes there is tension between children and parents. And a while ago, I came across this chuva on page five from Rav Yitzhak Zilberstein. Rav Yitzhak Zilberstein is one of the leading postkin in Eretz Yisrael today, lives in Dene Brak. He's a really remarkable halachic authority who tackles very interesting questions. So the question here is a child who is in therapy and uh, comes to therapy because the child has problems with her. In this case, it's with her father. And uh, is having trouble in this particular, the, the fact pattern is she's having trouble with it, finding a shidduch because it's hard for her to develop a warm relationship with a male because the major male in her life has abused her and has mistreated her. So she's going to therapy. Now, when she goes to therapy, She's going to tell the therapist not such nice things about her father. That's the whole point of why she's going to therapy. 
So somebody asked Rav Zilberstein, is that mutter? Is it mutter to say Lashon Hara about your parents under these circumstances? Understand very well, this is not just Stamazai Gerat Lashon Hara. You're now trying to treat yourself, but are you allowed to do that? And in fact, is the therapist allowed to listen to that? Is the therapist violating some halacha about listening to Lashon Hara? And it's a fascinating discussion. And I bring it because it represents a reality when it's not always so peachy, rosy, perfect, wonderful. And there are tensions. Now, sometimes it doesn't have to be extreme. Um, I think any child who goes to therapy has what to say about parents. And it's not always 100% wonderful. That's what I would imagine. And the therapist listens. It doesn't have to be extreme. It doesn't have to be uh, a very uh, egregious set of behaviors that the child is reporting. So how does that work out in the context of a therapy, a uh, psychoanalysis or therapy experience on page five? That's the question. And in the Sifkat and Gimel, the third line at the top of page five, this is now mental issues. These are now uh, not not so much spiritual in the sense of religious, but to make myself a better person. And I want to read this because I think this also is relevant in cases where it's not as egregious as the situation that's presented here. This comes from a Torah journal that I just happened to fall upon in the library. So I have a practice that when I have an article that I am led to, so I go to the library and Baruch Hashem at, at YU, the stacks are, are open. So all the journals, thank God, are right there. And when I take out a journal and I look at the article that I'm interested in, I never put it back until I look at all the other articles that are in the journal, because maybe something there would be of interest to me. And then if I have time, I do the journal before and the one after. And it leads me to all kinds of fascinating places. And that's how I fell onto this uh, particular uh, article. Rav Yitzhak Zilberstein, the psychologist who is uh, doing this treatment, or hashev teshivem b'tchum b'riyut ha-nefesh, or v'losamon al-dam re'yecha, ki yecholim lirot et ha'av k'rodef achar b'ito, ki b'hitna ha-guto hu sikain et b'riyut nafsha. So he's saving her. Losamon al-dam re'yecha means that if somebody is hurting somebody else, you have to jump in and you have to try to help them. Well, here the father, one perspective is, the first perspective is, is hurting the child. So, the psychologist is in a position to be able to, to help. So he's doing a mitzvah to do this. Verapo Yerape, the psychologist is um is uh healing this child. Oh, Shehu Ovar Isr Bekach, Shehu Ele et Chelkam Shel Hahorim Bimitsu Kotav, Lemoda Ut Shel Hamitupal. By talking about this. He is making or generating the child to say more and more 
and get deeper and deeper into what the child has to say, not such nice things about the parent. Maybe the more she talks about it, the more she's aware of the impact, the deleterious or adverse impact that the father had on her. So she's not going to want to be machabed, the father. Maybe she's even going to disparage or belittle the father. And so therefore it's not appropriate. So that's the question. Or where is the father up to? Where, what is the current state of this relationship? Are we talking about something that is still ongoing or are we talking about something that happened in the past and is now over? And he goes through a whole discussion of each option. You could look at it on your own if you want. And the conclusion is that absolutely the child has every right to share whatever the child needs to share about the father. The assumption is that the father wants the child to share that because the father wants the child to be able to have a shidduch. The the father wants the child to be healed. So um, it's perfectly okay for the child to do so, for the psychologist to listen. And emir tzashem, they should be able to work this out and everything should be should be fine. So we have now a whole series of ideas about the nature of the relationship between uh, children and and parents and the extent to which that uh, is to be uh, expressed through action, through feelings, through ava aza, through thinking your parent is is a gadol hador in a particular issue. And what happens when it doesn't always work out that way to be able to seek treatment, to be to work this out and to be able to move forward in life. I want to now move to uh, not just honoring one's parents when they're alive, but also honoring one's parents after they pass away. And that's, you would think, a little bit Ah, like what can I do for my parents now? I can't be motzi, machil, mashkem, machnis. What what am I going to do? What what's the kavod? What is the kavod that I could do for my for my parents? So we we are familiar with the religious ritual of Yisker, where uh, four times a year we say Yisker Shal Shredalim and, and Yom Kippur. And we ask Hashem, Yisgar Elokim as Nishmas. We remember, and we ask that Hashem, that Hashem should should remember. So they they passed away, and we want Hashem to remember them. And what do we say when we say that paragraph? Not just please God remember them, and that's it. But there we do something. So in Judaism, memory is not passive. But memory goes hand in hand with action. So when the Pasik says, if you have to remember, so we don't just sit there on the night of Pesach and close our eyes and remember, but we do things to help us remember. And the Torah says, so the Gemara says, it's not just 
remembering. It's not just memory. It's not just passive, but there are actions. There are always actions. And when it comes to remembering parents after they've passed away, it goes hand in hand with actions. Which brings me to the top right of page six. The Torah tells us in Sefer Devarim, Perek Chafalef, at the end of Parsha Shoftim, the Parsha of Egla Rufa. It's a very uh, complicated uh, story. If God forbid, uh, there's a body that's discovered. Nobody knows how the body ended up there. So you have to measure the distance between the closest cities and the Zikne Ho'ir of the closest city. You need to make a declaration. It's not like we're responsible for this and they have to bring an Eglar roof and they have to bring a car. The bottom in Pasuk Zion on the top right of page six, for your people, Israel, Asher Padisa Hashem, whom you have redeemed. So the Sifri says on the top left, it's quoted here in the Tartumima, Kaper Laamcha Elu Hachaim, Asher Padisa Elu Hamesim, Melame Chehamesim Tsrichim Kapar, Mesim Tsrichim Kapar that those who passed away also need atonement. But what do you mean they need atonement? They passed away. What did they do since the time they passed away that they need atonement for? They needed atonement maybe the first year they passed away or maybe right before they passed away. But at this point already, it's frozen. There's nothing that's going on. What do you mean, Malameh, so the Beis Yosef right below calls from the Mordechai and uses this as the basis for the Yisker paragraph that I mentioned a moment ago. Because of a Mordechai, Masha Hurgulu Lidor Tzdaka Biyoma Kippurim Avur HaMesim Yesh Lahavi Raya Misifra Detanya Beparshas Egla Rufa The custom that we have <coughs> to give Tzdaka on Yom Kippur in order to somehow elevate the status of the deceased. Ba'avur, avur ha'mesim. So where does that come from? Yesh lahavi raya misifra detanya because of this, uh, this rabbinic statement. Detanya b'pasha segla arufa kaper la'amcha Yisrael elu hachayim atone for your people Israel, those are for those who are alive. Asher padisa whom you have redeemed. Redeemed means not those who are alive, whom you have redeemed. And so therefore, I do a Maisa HaMitzvah, I do give tzedakah, I do something positive, valuable, special, holy commandment, so that that should somehow bring that should bring kapara to those who have already passed away. And this made its way into uh, rabbinic literature. Just parenthetically, you notice that the Beis Yosef says, Yom Kippurin. 
it's Yom Kippur really is the only uh, primary source for Yisker. Uh, later on, Yisker began also to be uh, inserted into the Tfilot of Sholosh Regalim, but originally it was on Yom Kippur, only Yom Kippur, that's where it started, because Yom Kippur, by definition, is the Yom HaKippurim, it's the day of Kapara, so not only do we need Kapara, but also the Mesim Tzrichem Kapara, and from Yom Kippur, it was extended to the Sholosh Regal. I heard from Rabbi Soloveitchik a very interesting uh, interpretation of the Gemara Maseches Erechen that fits along these lines. It's an interpretation that I have cited already uh, before, probably uh, more than once. So the Gemara in Maseches Erechen, the bottom of page six, the Gemara here defines when should Hallel be recited. What are the prerequisites that need to be in place? in order to be mechaev, the recital of Hallel. So on Shalash uh, Regalim, we say Hallel. On Hanukkah, we say Hallel, but there are days that we don't say Hallel. So why do we say Hallel on these days? What do we need to have in place in order to say Hallel? And the Gemara asks, well, whatever that is, Ikre Moed and Iktush Ba'asiyas Malacha, they're two primary prerequisites. Number one, it's referred to as a moed in the Torah, and number two, it is sanctified by the prohibition of doing work. And those are the two primary prerequisites that are machayv, the recital of Halal, ask the Gemara, if that's the case, so Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we should also say Halal, because Rosh Hashanah is also a moed, Yom Kippur. The Torah says, Elam Hashem, and what follows is not just the Shalash Regalim, but also Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur, so it's a moed, and there's Isra Malacha, we're not allowed to do Malacha on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So the Gemara wants to know, why is that? The Omar Rabbi Avohu, Amru Malachi Asharis, in the middle of the Gemara, at the bottom of page six, Erech and Yudam Amru Malachi Asharis, no less than the angels themselves, ask no less than God himself. So why taka don't? We say hala. We don't. We don't say hala. It's not in the Mahsir, not in Rosh Hashanah, and not in Yom Kippur. But why? If it has those two requirements and they're checked off, so we should say hala. Why not? So Hashem answered the Malach. But you got to be kidding. It's impossible. It's a Yom Adin. It's a day of judgment. The book of Sefer Chaim and the Sefer, the opposite of Chaim, they're opened up and we're down here and those books are open. And we talk a lot about books during that uh, time of year. We talk about Kasveinu B'Sefer HaChaim and we talk about uh, the Sefer HaChaim Bracha V'Shalom. There's a lot about books and it's a lot about Sefer HaChayim, but if we, there are options. There are options. So who's in the mood to say Hala? Maybe technically speaking, it fulfills certain prerequisites. But Hala is singing in joy and happy. How can you be happy? Sefer HaChayim, the Sefer Mesem Suchem Lefanov. 
Rabbi Salvechik said something that has stayed with me ever since and that is very powerful for me. He said, it's not that there are two books up there. There's a book of life that's open and there's a book of the opposite of life that is also open that that's the one we don't want to get into. We want to get into the other one. But he said that every year on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the book of those who are alive is open and the book of those who passed away is also that Mesim, those who passed away, are judged every year on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So they passed away five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever. They're judged again every single year. The Sifre Mesim here is not an empty book that we don't want, we want to avoid getting into. But the Sifre Mesim is not relevant to us. The Sifre Mesim is a safer of Mesim is a book of those who already passed away and they're being judged. And he explained, how could they be judged? What what did they do different between last year when they were judged? And he said something so important. And he said that the way children behave affects the way parents are judged. The way parents raise children and the way children behave year after year after year. And if they behave properly and appropriately, then it's megala, the zechus goes back to the parent. And the next year, if children behave properly and appropriately, it goes back to the parent. And so the parent gets the zechus of the behavior of the child every single year, and it gets re-examined. So what did the child that you raised do this year? What did the grandchild that you raised or had something to do with do this year? So if the child does positive things and acts appropriately, so then it redounds to the zechus of the parent. And if it redounds to the zechus of the parent, so the parents, whatever this means, I don't know. I had your site this past Wednesday for my mother and everybody said the neshama should have an aliyah, the neshama should have an aliyah. And I dutifully said, thank you, amen. I have no idea what that means. Whatever it means, it's probably a good thing. And the Mirza Hashem, the neshama should have an aliyah. But uh, on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, when there's a judgment, the judgment is contingent upon how those who are were raised by this neshama behave throughout the year. What a parent does impacts children, and what children do impacts parents. And that's, uh, to me, something very, very, uh, very powerful. I have a lot of stories I've shared over the years, a lot of stories about my mother and about her relationship uh, with her parents. And uh, I have no doubt that the way she uh, lived her life redound redounded very favorably to to her parents and her children are trying to muddle along to do good by her by her as well i want to conclude with one with one final thought i read this many years ago in an essay that was written by lord emmanuel jacobowitz by former uh, chief rabbi of uh, of england he wrote an essay i think in the 70s I read it many, many years ago, and it's something that has resonated with me when now 
on the last page, on page seven. He pointed out that the phrase Yisker Elohim appears four times in the Torah. Yisker Elohim appears four times in the Torah. And in each case, somebody's facing a massive crisis. Somebody has to confront a huge challenge. Somebody is really overwhelmed and uh, broken, sad, and is struggling. So the first one is in Noah. The first case is Noah. The Torah tells, uh, tells us that after uh, the flood, Hashem comes to uh, Noah and says, You should go out of the, out of the Teva. And I always wondered, why did Hashem have to tell Noah to leave the Teva? If I was cooped up in the Teva for as long as he was, with a few people and a lot of animals, a lot of animals, and Rashi... But what did Noah need Hashem to tell him to leave? Because he was anxious, because he was worried. What's life going to look like after what he witnessed? He witnessed the destruction of the whole world. What am I going out for? What kind of world is this? What's left of this world? What is a meaningful life for me going to be now at this point? So Hashem says to him, Go out and start and build a world again. By Yisker Elohim es Noach, in the beginning of Perek Perek Ches in Parshas Noach, by Yisker Elohim es Noach, by Yisker Lachayev es Kol Abayim, by Yisker Elohim es Noach. Second example: Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu prays so hard for Sodom, and uh, it's destroyed. And Lot's wife. Turns back, and she's also she's also destroyed. At which point, his 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 world is broken because he has no power. He tries and tries and tries, and he fails. Rachel, Nebuch, Rachel. Rachel is finished. Havalibanen, the Imayan, Mesa Anochi. Everybody has child after child after child. And she doesn't have, she doesn't have children. But Yisker Elohim has Rachel. And God remembers Rachel. The last one. The Jews are in Egypt. Now we're in Sefer Shmos. The Jews are in Egypt. They're at their wits' end. Everything is finished. Four times. Four times. And in every single time, somehow, in each one of these circumstances, Noah, who's facing a totally devastated and destroyed world, Avraham, who is ineffective and wasn't able to be successful, Rachel Nebuch, who was at her wit's end, she, she, am I in Mason? And then Israel and Mitzrayim, she would Mitzrayim. What kind of future is this? 
In each one of these cases, Vayiskar Elokim, that God remembers, and God gives each one of them the Kayach to be able to move forward and to be able to create a meaningful and a viable future. Noach leaves the Teva, Avraham posts Sodom, goes out, makes a big difference in the world. Rachel has, or Hashem, not just one child, two children, but Chashava. Hashem children and B'nai Yisrael ultimately, Yitzias Mitzrayim, they ultimately leave, uh, they leave uh, Egypt. And so I think that Yisker, and it's, we don't just remember ourselves, but we ask Hashem to remember. And I think part of that is Chizuk for us, that wherever we find ourselves in the ebb and flow of the unfolding of our own lives, with uh, particular challenges uh, that we may have and uh, issues that we have to deal with, that the yisker that we recite and the invoking of the memory of parents and helping, asking the Hashem should remember them and remember us, is for us a source of chizok and strength to be able to face whatever challenges uh, that we have. We say in Shemona Esrei, V'zocher, Chaste Avos, Nevi, Goel, Nevi, Geula, Levnei, Venehem. V'zocher, Chaste Avos, and we want redemption for ourselves. I remember my uh, my mother with great uh, affection and with enormous uh, intensity. And uh, I'm already 